Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Wow, I love messy church. <clears throat> it looks like the Axe Church, doesn't it? Everybody's up, everybody's hugging, everybody's prophesying, people are dancing, people are singing. One of the reasons that we actually make you get up and get out of your chair is because uh, God is raising up an army, not an audience. Now, I realize that a lot of the church has tra trained you to, to be an audience and to be proper, but we're actually created by God to be wild, that we're supposed to be wild, that we're supposed to be the ones that carry the supernatural grace of God, that the, the spirit that lives on the inside of us raised Christ from the dead, and he doesn't like to sit down. Now, I realize that teaching is important, but uh, so is activating an army, and that's what we're doing here. You know, the four walls of this church were not meant to keep you from culture. They were meant to prepare you to change culture. Can I get an amen? amen. All right, so today I am going to go ahead and <clears throat> kill some sacred cows because that's what I love to do. <laughs> I did not get into this to build a church. Again, I got into this to build an army that the gates of hell will not prevail against. All right? So I am not your typical pastor with a typical church plan for typical. I, I spend most of my time offending people. John can tell you. He's like, oh, boy. <laughs> so today, I'm going to talk about church and politics. Awesome. Come on. All right. So. Let me ask you a question. Is God left or is he right? <laughs> he's God. Yeah. He's the, the jefe, the big man. He's the one that's in charge of everything. He's like, yeah, I pretty much created everything and everything belongs to me on the left and the right and in the center. It's all mine. So uh, he cares a lot about righteousness. He loves righteousness and he hates lawlessness. That's really where he camps out. He camps out in the area that says, does this look like me? And did you do what I said? It's pretty much that simple, right? So I want to talk about politics because everybody's like, oh, well, the church doesn't belong in that realm. Um, <clears throat> so you'd have to explain to me about Daniel. You'll have to explain to me about Joseph. You'll have to explain to me about Deborah, maybe King David, right? What realm did they belong in? They belonged in the realm of ruling over the earth. And the kingdoms of this earth shall look like the kingdoms of our God. And the people that he entrusted to do that sit in this room. God is raising up his remnant. And they, you, us, we are going to be so glorious and beautiful. And I'm so excited about what's happening to the body of Christ. I have been contending and praying for 20 years to see the shaking that is happening to us right now. Oh boy, don't you know that the church is waking up and she's finding her voice again. And what a beautiful voice it is. And what a loud voice it's going to be. Can I get an amen? amen? I would like to say it's a southern voice. With a... <laughs> The, the more south you go, the louder you get, you know? It's like, can you hear me now? 
<clears throat> so the Lord told me that uh, this is where the church is right now. We are going into the promised land. That we are, um, we're like Joshua. And the Lord came to Joshua and he said, look, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. But it's time to move. It's time to move. It's time to move in. Why do I know that? Because the people of the last generation have now all died. All of those that didn't believe are now gone. All of those that spent all of their time being an audience in the land of Egypt and not actually partnering with heaven and releasing heaven and taking dominion, they've now gone and passed away. But I'm raising up this new generation that believe. And not only do they believe, but they're like, oh, what is the name of that horse? Secretariat. They can't wait to get out and run the race that God has prepared for them. So here we are, we're like Joshua. Well, so Joshua, what did he do? He took Israel over, across the Jordan, right? Not the Red Sea, but the Jordan, so that he could take the promised land. Well, the thing about the promised land is that the promised land is occupied. And that's the thing about the others that were in Egypt, the audience, they said, yeah, we want revival, God, we want revival. Could you bring that to us? And could you bring it to me in 30 minutes on a Sunday? Because, you know, I got things to do and I got places to go. I don't want to be inconvenienced because I got this life that I'm leaving. And I'm in this, I'm in this mode and this, this, the way that I think and the way that my life is set up. And I don't want to be inconvenienced by anything. So if you could come when I need you. And the Lord's like, no, 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 no. This is how this works. Just as it was in his word, so it will be again. God is a God that, that is always moving and changing, but he never he does things in patterns. And so you can see it in his word, how he does the same thing, and he does it over and over and over. And so he said, no, I'm not bringing it to you. You got to go get it. But I'm going to be with you. And he kept saying, have courage. Why would he say that to Joshua like over and over and over? But have courage, but have courage, but have courage. I'd be like, so what are you trying to say? <laughs> what are we looking at here? You know, could you define how, how, what I'm supposed to be courageous about? It means that you're going to be inconvenienced. It means that the odds are going to be against you. It means that the enemy looks bigger than you are. It means there are giants in the land. But the good news is, again, you have the spirit of the living God who raised Christ from the dead on the inside of you. <laughs> Roar. <laughs> yep. All right. So, so Joshua goes over, and he's standing there in front of Jericho, and he's kind of checking it out, right? And, uh, and he comes, and there's this, this man that comes up to him, and it is the angel of the Lord, and he says to him, are you for us or are you against us? Again, are you a Republican or are you a Democrat? I mean, what's the deal? And he said, no, I am the commander of the army of the living God. I am the commander of the army of the living God. Well, you know, then Joshua fell at his feet and he was like, okay, this just got real for me. And then he said, here's how I want you to take Jericho. Did you know that the army of the living God has not disappeared? I mean, did, did you know that the, that the angel of the Lord, the commander of the army of the living God has not disappeared? Did you know that? Did you know that he still has a plan? 
and he's saying to his people, I've got a plan to take America, but you got to get on my plan. This is not the way that it was in the past. This is the way that it's going to be in the future. You've got to follow me, which is why these prayer events, these solemn assemblies are so critical to this hour because we've got to get into alignment. So he gave him instructions, and all of these instructions were supernatural. Now he's like, I want you to march around this city six times. And he's probably thinking to himself, okay, I was thinking weapons and maybe whatever, that doesn't make any sense. And then on the seventh time, I want you to blow the trumpets. Like, whoo, it's gonna get really good on the seventh time you go around. I want you to blow the trumpets and then I want all of you to shout. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't make any sense, it's insanity, you know? But God knew how the foundations of that wall were laid. He knew what it would take for the vibrations and the frequencies to begin to loose the, 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 the walls that protected the people of Jericho right? And he knows what's going to lose the walls that protect uh, uh, the enemy in America. So praise the Lord. All right. But before he did that, he sent some spies into Jericho and they found this prostitute named Rahab, right? You know, if you're looking for someone, find a prostitute because, you know, she'll tell you what's going on. So she finds this, they find this prostitute and she ends up hiding them out, you know, from the people of Jericho that find out that, that they're there. And they begin to ask her, tell us about the situation of the people. We need to know what's going on here. And this is what she said. She said, we have heard about the Red Sea drying up and our hearts melted and there was no more courage in any of us. She is saying to them, I saw the God of all of the earth and the heavens is with you. I saw that you are a people that are supernatural and there are miracles and even the, the, the sea is responding to you. How can any army stand before these people? How much more power and authority do the people that believe have than it happened then? And so they knew that it was time to go. So once the Jordan dried up, okay, so they step in, bam. Who goes first? Who goes first? The priests. The priests go first. The preach go before, priests go before the porch and the altar. And they began to worship the Lord. They carry the ark of his presence. And they all, everybody else follows, right? The whole thing dries up. They pass on dry land again. It's the Jordan. Amazing. The minute they get to the other side, what happened? The Canaanites, oh wait, I gotta read, I gotta, I gotta tell you who they all were. Okay, they were the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. All the ites. They're all like, okay, what just happened? Not only did they dry, did God, their God dry up the Red Sea, but he just dried up the Jordan. And now guess what? They are now in our backyard. And so it says this, that through that, their hearts began to fail them. Their hearts. See, what happens is courage starts in the heart. When their courage is gone, they belong to the Lord. They are ours for the taking. First, God will get their heart. 
And if their hearts fail, then they cannot war anymore. What When God looks out over his people and he's beginning to move in this people and this army, which I'm going to show you in a minute, you're going to see that the enemy is going to begin to act just like the Gergesites, just like all of the ites, just like the walls of Jericho. But we have to find our voice and we have to shout as they did. And the spirit of the Lord is going to cause you to begin to make noise. It is time to make noise. It's time to get our jars out. Remember, you get your jars out, you smash them all together. I don't know. Anyway, it sounded good. All right. So did you know that there are 205 million Christians in America? That's a lot because there's only 365 million people that live in America. So what's going on? (laughs) Yeah. But only, as we know, uh, from Barna Research, only 17% of those are actually Bible-believing. They, only 17% actually believe the word of the Lord. Therefore, they have a biblical worldview, right? So it's like, I'm going to look at what God says, and everything I do lines up with the word. 17% of 205 million people. Now, I haven't done the math. Some of you may be really good at that. But that's not a lot of people. That's not going to shift and change a nation. They have done research, they, meaning the people that do these things, statistical people, and they found that it takes 25% of any group within culture to change culture. So we're at 17%. We don't have far to go, okay? I believe that with this shaking, now that, that, that Barna research was done, oh, like what? 2017. So I believe after the shaking, what we have seen happen is we've seen the church beginning to wake up. I believe that we have the remaining 8% coming in. And when we hit 25%, we've hit the tipping point. When we hit 25%, we've hit the shift where things begin to change. And so what we see happening is we see the church leaving the church. We see the church beginning to leave the four walls. We see the church beginning to go out and gather in the harvest. Have you ever met somebody who's first saved? They are so radical, right? They haven't been anesthetized yet. <laughs> Whatever, you know what I mean. You know, it's like, well, I've been in the church 20 years, 30 years. You meet somebody that's first saved and all, they they change their email address to 2 Corinthians 3.17. That was me. And I spelled it out. I hung crosses all over my wall. My husband's like, is that decoration? Yes. I don't know. It's like, you know, I live next to the witches or something. No, I didn't. I was just like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But that's every other word was Jesus, right? You're like, I love you. And, um, and I, I'm, I, I took some of the crosses down, but I still love Jesus. <laughs> I was like, all right, I made my point. Um, so let's talk about voting, okay? So we're going to move a little into some of the things in the natural, all right? So America 
for those of you who are younger, America was not established as a democracy. It was established as a republic. Say republic. republic. <clears throat> it's a constitutional republic. That word republic is two Latin words. It's re-public. It is regarding the public. It is concerning the public, which means that the public, you, me, John, everybody, that means the public is the ruling class. We are the ones that rule. We are the ones who rule America, okay? That's good news, which means we have the power to hire and fire representatives. And so there's that Latin word again. There's that Latin, represent. So we have people that are elected officials that are supposed to represent us to vote. What do they do? They vote what I want them to vote. They vote on the issues that I care about, and so they are there and, and voting as proxy on my behalf, okay? Right? That's the way it goes. So, so when, I, when I vote for someone, follow me, I am tethered to their vote before the Lord. Because I have given them my authority to vote on my behalf, therefore what they do, I'm going to be held accountable for before the Lord. This is very important. There is such a huge responsibility in who we put in authority over us. We're either going to have peace or we're going to have tyranny. I choose peace. <clears throat> So what happens, though, is when we have some of these representatives, we're not paying attention, they may start to vote in laws that give them power over the people and control over the people where they begin to take our freedoms away from us. And that's when, well, we should have been paying attention all along, but what's happened, again, we've reached a tipping point. Unfortunately, it's not our tipping point. This is, without a doubt, the most serious time that America has ever seen. Probably the only other time that was as significant was right before the Civil War. We are in a very critical hour of American history. And what happens over the next two weeks is going to be, it's going to make or break, I believe, America. You see, we are already at war. We're already at war. Most people don't realize it. We're in a spiritual battle and we have to take authority in the spirit so we don't have to take authority in the natural. And what I mean by that, we have to war in the spirit so we don't have to war in the natural. Because if you think that the people we see in the streets aren't going to show up at our doors, think again. But I love you. All right, so... <clears throat> The most important three elements of the original documents that keep America free and a prosperous nation where the kingdom of God can advance is, number one, the form of government that we have. 
We have the most beautiful and unique form of government and the only one in the whole earth that creates freedom and prosperity for people. It's not perfect. We won't see perfection until Jesus returns and sets up his millennial reign. But it is beautiful and it is good. And there have been generations of men and women that have died to protect it. Okay? That's number one. Number two, the First Amendment is a critical part of, of what we need in this nation in order to sustain our form of government. The, the, the First Amendment is the freedom of religion, the freedom of speech, the freedom of press. And we need to have somebody throw in there the freedom of medical, whatever, freedom of science, I don't know. Whoever thought that was going to be a thing. <laughs> Um, and the third is the second amendment. So important. Why? Because it keeps tyranny at bay. It is a deterrent to tyranny. American rednecks have more guns than the entire Chinese army. Okay. Come on. If they can, but let me tell you something. If they can get your guns, they can get your freedom. You can look around and you can see some of these other nations. You can look at Australia. They took their guns. What's happening to them? They're not allowed to leave their houses. They're going to be the first to test out the whole digital money stuff. I'm not going to go there. So the three things that people should look at to decide their representatives, okay? Number one, platform. Two, policy. And three, performance. The P's. Three P's. Platform. What's the platform of the party? Okay, another P. What's the platform of the party? What do they believe in? They'll tell you. All you have to do is look it up. Do they, do they honor God? Do they love the nation of Israel? Are they pro-life? You know, these are some basics. Basics, okay? Do they believe in the Constitution? Platform, okay? What are the policies of the person? He's got to have a plan. Policies are basically like, here's my plan. Here's my plan to get there. So you look at the policies of the person that is running. They can do this all day long, but you got to look at number three, their performance, Everybody has a history, and there's a thing called Google. Sometimes they hide stuff, but there's ways to find out. Did you know there's a search engine in Russia? I didn't know that, but you can look up stuff in America from that search engine, and you can find it. P.S. <laughs> Not that I did that. <laughs> but you can't find anything anymore. Google. Uh. All right, but unfortunately what's happening is that people are looking at the fourth P. What's the fourth P? Anybody know? Personality, Personality right? We want a guy we like. We want a guy that says all the right things. We want a guy that's funny. We want a guy we want to sit down and have a beer with, right? No. We want a guy that's the Pope. We want a guy that's a pastor. More peas. Man, I'm on a roll. <laughs> <laughs> I 
be here all day. <sighs> Plumber. <laughs> no, that doesn't actually fit. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Do you know who else was obnoxious? You know who else was obnoxious? Nobody liked. Winston Churchill. They were like, oh, that guy is so annoying. We hate that guy. But he was such an effective leader. Saved all of Europe. Do you know who had a good personality? Adolf Hitler. You see where I'm going here. <laughs> I, the personality isn't a qualification. Sorry. All right. The Antichrist, it says, will be a very magnanimous leader. You know, he'll be able to get all the nations to cooperate. He'll be a smooth talker. Remember what I said to you the last couple of weeks. I was talking to you about what? False prophets. What do false prophets do? They say one thing, they do another, right? Outwardly, they look like sheep. I'm completely harmless, but inside they're ravenous wolves, right? So no more smooth talkers, God, please. We want somebody that tells us the truth, even if it hurts. We want somebody who is a good and faithful leader. So here are the issues to vote with God. Do you know that God is pro-God? It's true. He's pro-God, and he's pro-Israel. He's pro for the nation. He cares about the nations. And he has a nation that's the apple of his eye where his people live. We have been grafted into his people, but he loves his people, and they will say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, he is uh, pro-life. He's anti-sex trafficking, right? He loves his kids. And he is pro-freedom, pro-medical freedom, pro-financial freedom. He's pro-educational freedom. He's pro-governmental freedom. And he's pro-judicial freedom. Man, who do I want to serve this guy? And he fights for us and with us. Be courageous. So he's pro-life. <clears throat> so we've got this war going on, and we think, of, oh, yeah, let's vote pro-life. And there's, oh, gosh, 50% of the people in the body of Christ are not pro-life. Crazy. But I want to tell you about being pro-life, and I want to tell you about the unborn. And I want to tell you about what happens and what has happened to America because of abortion. And so I'm going to jump in here for a minute. I'm just going to take a little more time because I think you need to hear this and you need to hear this. Because every single life that is lost, 60 million, 60 million. If you put all of those babies together, head to tail, head to toe, guess what happens? Did you know that you can circle the earth two times? That's how many children that is. 60 million. That's just in America. Okay? So every life is precious to God. But it goes beyond that. And I found that out. I have um, spent 20 years standing in front of abortion clinics all over America, praying for God to shut their doors. I've been in Ohio. I've been in Kansas. I've been in, oh gosh, Pennsylvania. Um, um, I've been in, um, of course, Texas, multiple places in Texas. 
I go to uh, the abortion clinic, the three-story, five-story abortion clinic right outside of Houston, that most of the abortion clinics have been put in black neighborhoods, by the way. Racist. Um, anyway, my point is I've stood out in front of the Supreme Court with life tape on my mouth in 25-degree weather. My nose was dripping and, and created icicles. I'm not kidding. It was cold, and I'm from Texas, so it was really cold for hours. Why? Because my heart was cut for the issue of life. And then we hosted, Storehouse hosted the Esther Call with Luinga. We had women come from all over the world to contend, to fast and pray for the ending of abortion. And then right on the heels of that, Governor Perry uh, put out a bill uh, called HB2, and that was to, to uh, elevate by law and make mandatory, um, well, uh, P Planned Parenthood had to have Planned Parenthood had to have ambulatory level services, which caused them to have to put a lot of money into all of these clinics, and they couldn't afford it. So we knew that this backdoor approach would shut down these abortion clinics. So what do I do when this is going on? Well, again, I am a warrior, so, and I love a good fight. So what do I do? I take a team down to Austin, and we're going to go pray. And uh, one of the people on our team has a guitar, and so we're going to worship the Lord in the rotunda. Oh, nobody said we could, but whatever. I don't need permission, right? So Again, you, you, we got to get wild. We got to go where we're not invited, okay? Why? Because God owns all of the earth, and he wants us to go. So anyway, we go down there. We're singing the songs, you know, we're out there and, and I'm, and I'm, and, and the, all the Baptists are there, right? And they got their kids and little carts and everything. And so from a distance, I can see that this big bus comes and it drops off all of these people. And you think, oh, well, these are all of the, the pro-choice people. No, 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 no. I'm standing in between this bus and all of the people who are praying, Right? And I see these women getting off this bus, and I said, oh, la bacanda, la bacanda, la Oh, we got a little showdown happening here, because it was all the witches. Now, how did I know that? By the Spirit. Now, how did I know when they got closer to me? Oh, they began to manifest. So what am I doing? I'm just walking. I'm I'm walking. I'm a under my breath. They can't hear what I'm saying, you know? Not that they would understand it, but anyway. So they start grabbing their ears, putting their hands over their ears and screaming. Get away from me. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> So what was happening is there was a showdown between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And so I was exactly where I was supposed to be in that moment because I was like, you are going down. I have stood before every abortion clinic in this nation almost 
and in and, and good weather and rain and, and hot weather. And I have contended for this and I have been given authority by God to see this thing come down. Amen? <clears throat> so you got to know who you are if you're going to stand there in front of all of the witches. Anyway, we ended up winning that battle and 17 abortion clinics closed that next month in Texas. <clears throat> But here's what I want to ask you the question. Why are the witches there? Because the shedding of innocent blood, the shedding of innocent blood gives them the power to do what they do. And let me tell you the primary assignment of the witches. It is to silence the church. And so the Lord has given us a president who understands this. So he calls in who? He calls in all of the spiritual giants. His generals of the army call in these spiritual giants. He calls up David Hogan or has his, his generals call up David Hogan and invites him to come to the State Department. Why? David Hogan's like, uh, dude, I don't even own a gun. What are you talking about warfare? And they said, no, we're going after the dark arts. He understands that this is a spiritual battle, and he also understands that in order to win this battle, he's got to take away their blood supply. As that decreases, the church comes out of its sleepiness. It begins to wake up and it begins to take its place to bring down the high places, including government. Okay. Socialism. I'm almost done. Are y'all hanging in there? I've heard some very well-known pastors that are like known worldwide. And they have come out and said they are in America. Some of them, never mind. Um, they have come out and said that socialism is the closest form of government to a biblical form of government. <clears throat> because it feeds the poor. God loves the poor. He does love the poor. That's true. Uh, I think they should look at the history of socialism, and I think that might change their mind. Because the history of socialism tells us that it actually creates the broadest, most tragic level of poverty that has ever been seen. In fact, socialism is responsible for killing over 100 million people. 100 million in these socialist nations, those that have gone social. And it's not because they went to war. It's because they killed the resistors to socialism that were 100 million people. Those that said no to their controls and their tyranny. And so the support behind socialism was that we'll all be equal, right? Equality. Equality sounds good. Well, we all are equally loved by God. 
But I want to tell you something that biblically, God himself has set up a reward system. And so depending on what you do with what you've been given, you will be rewarded for those works. Your faithfulness, your giving, how have you stewarded the things that God gave you? You are going to be rewarded. Look at the parable of the talents. So, so God's system is based on a tiered system that rewards those that are faithful. Capitalism. Now look, again, capitalism isn't perfect, and there still are poor people here, but I will guarantee you that the poor people in America are a lot better off than the poor people in Uganda. Venezuela, they're eating their dogs. I'm not kidding. Bad. God's system creates freedom and peace, and Satan's system creates control and fear. Every time socialism has failed where it's been tried. Every single time. But here's the thing about socialism. I want to tell you this because you only get to vote for socialism one time. After you give your freedom away, guess what? They're not giving it back. That's why we are at such a critical juncture right now in America. Because, unfortunately, there's a whole generation out there that haven't been trained in the truth of the history of the world and the history of these isms. Communism, fascism, Marxism, socialism. They're all the same. They're all the same demon. Okay? Do y'all still love me? <laughs> so, I don't know about you, but um, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm not down with that. I'm not down with losing my private property or my businesses that are seized by governments in these other places. I'm not down with the collective whole. I'm down with the individual rights. Can I get an amen? amen? All right. So freedom is not free, and this is the most important election of our lives. We do not. And here's the thing. I don't want my kids and my grandkids to grow up under this. I don't want my kids and my grandkids to say, wow, you know, Look, mom, what you guys had for 250 years, but because you were not willing to stand in that hour. And I'm telling you, God's going to hold the church responsible, not the people who are not in the church. This is our job. We're, are the, we're the gatekeepers. Okay? America is the only thing standing in between the new world order. We are the only ones, the last bastion of freedom that is holding at bay this new world order. Once America is gone, that's it. And I say we give everything that is in us to fight and to hold this line. Amen? And that means not just you, but go get your neighbors to vote. Like Joshua, it's time to lead the nation and to roar and to end the tyranny of control and lawlessness. 
It is time for the church again to stand up and to be who she was created to be. And I know that I, the shaking I'm seeing is shaking and delight. We are called to the mountain of government. We are called to every mountain. There is no place on this earth that the church does not belong. We belong in the halls of Congress. We belong in Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. should be a light on a hill, and we are, we are not going to abdicate our rights to be in that place anymore. So I declare over you today that you are political and God is backing your play. Can I get an amen? All right, let's stand. So, Father, we love you and we bless you, God. I thank you for all of those here and all of those online. Father, I pray for a mighty rushing wind to hit us. God, just as it was in Jericho, I am asking you, God, to speak to us and you give us instruction on how to take this nation back for God. And I thank you, Father, that our finest hour is before us and not behind us. And I declare that in Jesus' name, and I bless you as you go out. Amen.